the hard part I think comes in like you said with the patience <laughs> because <laughs> because rarely does do any of these categories um, suddenly fluctuate to being a hundred percent after spending five minutes focusing <laughs> on, on this category, right? Like you can't meditate for five minutes and all of a sudden all of your anxiety is gone. You can't, you can't do, you know, one run and all of a sudden you, you've lost 10 pounds. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and it's, that's, you know, that's part of life. We learn that from childhood that patience is a virtue and it's not a virtue that a lot of us have. <laughs> It's part of the world we live in, you know, this quick go pace, everything's at your fingertips, you have access to everything. It's kind of taught us and trained us into this mental state that if I want something, I get it now. But when it comes to your well-being and your wellness and your health, I think the first thing that people need to do, um, myself included, is is take that step back and say, okay, I, I have this goal, but now I need to realistically think about the time frame and the steps that I need to take to get there. Because when you have that written out and you see that for what it really is, like you said, it's that open communication with yourself. Then you can kind of work up the emotional and mental fortitude to be able to accomplish what you need to. Welcome to the Empower, Create, Encourage podcast. You're here with me, Alessandra Guerra. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Today, I'm going to be interviewing the amazing, amazing Avery Bishop, who's so amazing, I've got to say it twice. Shout out to Motomoto Madagascar. <laughs> I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. Today, I feel privileged to hear a part of her story of her self-awareness coming to self-journey and for the tools she's going to share. I confess, I was in complete awe listening to her speak with such authenticity and vulnerability, and I may have swooned a little bit. <laughs> Let's take a look. I love that we're connected. We are. Oh, we are. <laughs> we're in sync. We're in tune. We got this. So giddy. My hands are sweating. <laughs> I'm not on makeup for this call, even though you can't see me. <laughs> you know what? I did my hair for this call, even though you can't see me. <laughs> so we're on the same page, at least. We have the same amount of affection for each other. I love it. That's so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, to tell everybody how it is that you and I met, you and I met at university, and I was, like I've said before, I was blown away by how goal-oriented you are and how kind <laughs> and amazing you are, and so I was so excited when you wanted to do this podcast with me. And Thank at, you. At the time, so sweet. No, I'm serious. So at the time, you were working and you were volunteering in different programs, and what were they again? So I was a mentor. So I had a group of freshman students over which I was kind of being like a, an older sister to. Um, I was also volunteering with the Red Cross. I was volunteering at an LDS temple doing some laundry. I was also volunteering as um, a teacher, kind of. I'm, at the point that I was at, I was working towards becoming a full-blown teacher. And so I was volunteering as an auditor to some of the classes. Um, I was working full-time and I had a calling in the church as well, which consisted of a lot of volunteer hours <laughs> with <Yeah>. you, so. <laughs> you were the Relief Society president over, so basically over the organization and responsible for the women over it. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of effort. Yes, and you're also a personal trainer, right? 
Yes. So that was another kind of volunteer basis. I don't get paid for it because I think I I love to just I love to do it in my free time. So I've I've never been paid for it. And it was just another thing to add to the list of things that I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're listing all these things that I thought you were it's like way more than I even thought you were doing one thing. <laughs> It was, you know, all the free time that I had. I just wanted to add another thing to it. <laughs> yeah, you're just working full time. It's fine. You have all the time in the world. No worries. <laughs> so you believe that our mental and spiritual health or our physical health are intimately wound. What's your experience with that? So, yes, that is a huge part of what I believe that all of those things, um, because when you when you talk about the categories of wellness or well-being um it consists of those four major categories or five in this case because i believe spiritual to be its own own category but there's there's mental there's emotional there's social there's um physical and spiritual and all of those things if something positive or negative happens in one of those categories it affects the other four um and it's kind of unique how they interact with each other and people aren't super familiar with it um, when you think about the connection between those categories. Um, what they're familiar with typically on a day-to-day basis is how their physical wellness affects their mental wellness. And so those two people know to be the most popular categories that are connected, but really it's, it's all four of those. And in my experience, um, if you think that you're going to be able to balance all five of those categories perfectly, <laughs> then you're wrong. <laughs> you're incorrect because it's, it's almost impossible to have all of those categories filled 100% all of the time because that would deplete your energy, your mental, emotional, physical being so much that you wouldn't have time to and energy to do anything else. And so there's just no way to keep all of them balanced at the same time. And so what I've learned over time and, and the activities that I've done and participated in, the training that I've done, um, is that when you recognize or you learn to recognize when one of those categories is being depleted, you just have to learn how to shift your focus to, to that category, you know, just shift your focus so that you can focus on bringing that energy level back up in your physical or your mental or your emotional category. And then when that's filled, one of the other ones are going to need some more attention. So you just move on to the next one. So it's this kind of like balancing act you have to learn how to do. And it takes a lot of practice and a lot of self-awareness. But in the end, it's it becomes natural. It becomes part of how you think and act. And it's so rewarding and it's so much more healthy than thinking you have to balance all five of these precariously balanced things in your hands <laughs> so in my experience it's it's all about self-awareness and practice and um just recognition really so what self-awareness and practices do you use to help you be able to tackle all of that um so in the in the past <laughs> i didn't have a specific way of recognizing it because um in the recent this past year was really when I got hit the hardest with experiencing anxiety and depression and so before that um when I'd start to feel stressed out or what I thought was stress or what I thought was 
just being worried about day-to-day life, um, I would kind of just compartmentalize. And that was kind of (laughs) how I dealt with those negative emotions. And I was just kind of like, you know what, I'll deal with it later. Like, just move on, you know, just keep plowing through it. And that's kind of how I did it. Um, But when I started um, CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, it became apparent to me how shoving those emotions, those negative feelings and reactions back into this like kind of closet in the back of my mind was cluttering the closet. And if you ever open the closet, it all falls on top of you, <laughs> you know, and, and anything can trigger that happening. And so in the past few months, um, I've developed some healthier habits and some of those self-awareness practices, like you, you said, um, is taking time to meditate. I, I pray, I communicate with Heavenly Father through prayer, but I also take time to meditate because prayer can be um, a conversation. It can be you asking for things, praying for other people. So your mind is moving constantly, you know, communicating. Um, and in meditation, it's more about focusing on you, focusing on your breathing, focusing on what's happening around you, you know, calming yourself. And in that way, specifically, meditation has become kind of a self-awareness practice that I've developed. Um, and again, it's practice. That's the key word there is practice. <laughs> it's because it doesn't, it's not easy for everyone. And it's very, very hard when you feel anxious or depressed to seemingly, quote unquote, calm your mind. Because it's, it, when you feel that way, it feels like a hundred different things are going through your mind at once. And you almost can't you're just overwhelmed with it. And so um, practice is the key word there. You just have to keep doing it, you know, fake it till you make it, just kind of keep pushing through it. And when you eventually get to that point where you can focus on one thing at a time in your mind and you become aware of, oh, okay, this is what triggered this emotion. This is what I'm going to do about it. And I'm going to choose to have a healthier approach next time. So that's one of the self-awareness um practices that I've developed over the past couple months I love that analogy of the cluttered closet (laughs) and how we want to keep the closet clean and I think meditation it's like you said it's very hard to calm your your mind and your heart when like for me I've had depression I've had a lot of anxiety as well and in that state it's so difficult to be able to be like okay let's take it down a notch because Mm -hmm. sometimes I haven't been able to take it down a a notch like there's been stuff that I've been able to go through with counseling that now I'm able to get to a better place quicker but it does take like you say a lot of practice speaking about the cluttered closet because I I am loving this analogy (laughs) like I want this on a (laughs) team cluttered closet excuse me keep the closet clean (laughs) what role has anxiety and depression played in your life oof uh it's there are positives and negatives to it I I have to admit because the the idea of anxiety and depression it's extremes it's two end extremes on the same pole or same um kind of ladder almost um one is focusing on worrying about the future and the other is feeling negatively about the past two things that you can't control and so in my 
experience with it, what it's done to me is it's debilitated me. It felt like it broke me down mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually to the point where I, as a human, almost didn't exist. You know what I mean? You, you get so familiar with yourself, your patterns, your thought patterns, your emotional patterns. And then all of a sudden, it's like everything implodes. And like I said, when you open that closet and everything falls on top of you, it's just overwhelming. You can't do anything about it. It just falls on you and you feel totally helpless. And so when that happened, while it was a negative experience going through those emotions and or lack of emotions, <laughs> it's, it's like you're feeling everything but nothing all at once. It's kind of how it feels. <laughs> and while that was happening, what it forced me to do subconsciously of course because in those moments you you can't do anything you feel like you have no control no ability to to act for yourself but the positive side to it was that it forced me to find a group of people who loved me for me who cared about me and were willing to support me and were willing to show that love and support um, openly without me having to ask for it it forced me to reevaluate my goals in life. It reevaluates my ability to um, control my goals and what I do to achieve those goals. And in the the process of all of this learning, um, like you asked before, the kind of those self awareness principles, it really does teach you so much about yourself. This anxiety and depression, when you have any sort of mental illness you have to become so familiar with yourself again. And it's a new you, it's a different you, and it's it's a different type of behavior and emotion and reactions. And so it's kind of a self-awareness journey or coming to self journey kind of <laughs> experience. And it's that's kind of what it's done for me is it's allowed me to see my weaknesses and my strengths, but in a non-judgmental point of view rather than seeing my weaknesses and saying these need to be better I can see my weaknesses and say okay that's that is what it is and how I react to it or how I enable myself to overcome those weaknesses is really what makes me who I am and it's not the weaknesses that make me who I am same thing with the strengths it's nothing to be over prideful about or something to feel extremely like good about myself but it's it's there to show me that I've overcome these things and I can do more I can I can be more than just what those strengths tell me I am and so it's what I think it's done for me is it's allowed me to get to know myself on a deeper level than just how the world sees me I love listening to you speak because when you're speaking what's resonating with me is this new truth that I've discovered like from trauma therapy in Mm. trauma therapy we learn that everything's in parts that not everything is good or bad we don't label it it's just parts there's parts of us that are developed there's parts of us that aren't developed and after trauma there's parts that of us that want to go and trust people they want to connect but also there's parts that's really scared and when you're talking about the weakness and the strengths it's talking about you as a whole it's not just mm-hmm. putting you as a person that has a strength or you as a person that has the weaknesses, but it's accepting and embracing all the parts that make you who you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and you were talking about the goals as well. 
so a question I have is how do you pursue and reach your goals while you're respecting your anxiety and keeping yourself well? So that was something that I um, initially struggled with because before having this, what I call my mental breakdown, (laughs) (laughs) all happened with this anxiety and depression. It was, um, I would set big, big goals. You know, I'd have these like long, long term goals that I was working towards and I never really set um, steps to get there. It was just I assumed I was going to get there and I made myself get there but I didn't have a plan to get there. <laughs> so that makes it really hard when you don't have a plan, you know, that increases anxiety when you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and so as a result, um, those goals eventually became overwhelming. And so when you have this, I had this mental breakdown and was experiencing um, this state of being uh, unwell and I was, wasn't able to, wake up at specific times it felt overwhelming to get up and shower and get dressed like I couldn't do these specific things that I normally could and what was happening was I was holding myself to this past standard that I had thinking when I was depressed I was thinking you know I can't get up I can't get out of bed but I used to be able to so what's wrong with me something's wrong with me I'm broken and that would continue this depression cycle and this anxiety that I was never going to get better. Nothing's ever going to be the same. Um, and so with these goals, what started to happen was my therapist and I started to set small goals. And it seems almost childish at first to set a goal for what time you're going to be out of bed. <laughs> kind of like, you know, when your mom wakes you up for school, it's, it's almost childish. You think... I'm an adult. I should be able to do this. I used to be able to do this and much more. So why can't I do this? But with those small goals, what happened was if I set a goal to exercise um, for 15 to 30 minutes, because exercise is so important to me, I wasn't doing it during this depression and anxiety. And so I started to, to feel more anxious because I wasn't able to do it. So when I started to set goals to to exercise for 15, 30 minutes a day, I'd set the specific goal for what time I wanted to do it. And I would set that kind of that block of time apart for it. And if I got to that point and I didn't feel like doing my goal, um, I would have contingency plans, whether it was me talking about how I was feeling with someone who cares about me. Um, having someone encourage me to do it by doing the exercises with me or it could have just been by doing um, a walk instead of doing a high intensity cardio you know so it was kind of I came up with these contingency plans and as a result when you achieve that small and simple thing um, you feel more enabled to be able to do the bigger things So when I achieved that goal, I could make a bigger exercise goal. And of course, it didn't happen overnight where it was like, okay, I exercised for 15 minutes today. Tomorrow, I'm going to go out and do an hour and 45 minutes. (laughs) No, it didn't didn't happen like that. But it was months, weeks of me setting these small goals and saying, okay, I did it today because I felt good today. And I felt good today because of this and this reason. Um, And so after a while, you get into this pattern of setting small and simple goals that lead up to to big things that lead up to great things. Um, And so I recognized after a while that that 
goal setting mindset didn't just have to be about physical, tangible goals such as exercise, um, but it could be setting a goal for my mental state. It could be saying, I'm going to have a goal today to have a good attitude. And that's going to be because of A, B, and C. Um, and so it kind of spread, like I said, into those five areas of wellness, those five categories of wellness. It didn't just have to be my physical and emotional wellness that was dependent on these goals. It was all five of them. What I love about what you're saying is that it sounds so simple. <laughs> and I've been, cause I've been on that side of it. It's just, it sounds so simple, the small goals, but you're right. There's parts where I've been like, oh, this is so dumb. This is childish. Like I able mm-hmm. to do this when you're like, what's wrong with me now that I can't. And right. we're talking about creating these contingency plans and asking people like maybe work out with me. I know for me personally, I have a hard time asking for help and I have a hard time with vulnerability. I recently discovered it's actually very positive. And so I'm trying to <laughs> honor, I'm trying to honor that you believe, but what do you do? Like what role does vulnerability play in your life? And what do you do to make yourself feel good about being vulnerable? That is <laughs> it's a very good question <laughs> because I think it's uncomfortable for anyone to feel vulnerable in any way. Right. And I mean, there's, there's people that are more comfortable with sharing emotions or thoughts or whatever it may be. But I think all in all, most, most people would agree that being vulnerable is an awkward sensation. It's <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, and I definitely, I agree. It was, it was a struggle for me at the beginning. Um, Cause when all of this started to happen um, and I kind of had my episodes of anxiety and depression, I thought, you know, my first initial thought was, I'm going to get over this. This uh, It's going to be gone in a week. You know, I'll be fine. And as a result, that kind of affects your behavior that affected my behavior. And I, I thought, you know, I don't need to ask for help because it's going to go away. I'll be fine. Um, and when I d- finally worked up the courage to ask to go see a CBT therapist, um, it was uncomfortable, that's for sure, because you're admitting that you need help. And in a way, it felt like I was saying, hey, I'm too weak. I need help. I need someone else to to kind of carry me through this, to lift me, to be able to do this. Um, and initially, it was very hard to go into the sessions with an open mind and and to agree that my therapist working with me is what was going to help me rather than just my own personal strength. Um, But what got me to that point of vulnerability, um, I think was a combination of things. It was, it was the feeling of complete and utter, utterly uh, overwhelmed, really. I felt exposed to anxiety um kind of like it's its own monster I was kind of exposed to it and there was no one standing between me and it and it was kind of consuming me and it was it was killing what I knew about myself and so um with that overwhelming kind of pain mental and emotional pain um I had no other choice. It was like I hit rock bottom and there was no other choice. Um, And unfortunately, I don't feel like I have any 
really great advice for people on how to be vulnerable (laughs) without hitting rock bottom. (laughs) I would love to prevent everyone from hitting rock bottom. Um, But sometimes that's, that's what we need. Sometimes we, we have to hit rock bottom before we realize that we can't do it ourselves. Um, And what I've been experimenting with, with my um, CBT therapist is she's been explaining that these, this kind of vulnerability and open communication in relationships is not only good for my emotional well-being, but it's good for the relationship itself. <laughs> when you have a free flow of information and a communication about emotional being, um, physical well-being, mental well-being, social well-being, all of these things, it allows your partner, your family member, your significant other, it allows these people to, to know you for you and to be able to accept you for you. So it, it kind of eliminates that anxiety over um, the worldly view of yourself. It eliminates that anxiety that, you know, oh my gosh, people are only gonna like me because I can do X, Y, and Z, or because I have this kind of talent, or maybe they won't like me because they have this weakness, or they see this about me. But instead, you've eliminated that anxiety by sharing with them your most vulnerable thoughts and feelings. And that does require a lot of trust in the relationship that requires a lot of practice. Like we've been talking about, (laughs) it requires this, you have to practice in relationships. You have to build up communication, build up trust. It doesn't happen um, overnight. And I don't think vulnerability does either. You can't just wake up one day and say, Hey, I'm going to go out and share everything about (laughs) myself with with everyone that I see. It doesn't happen, but you work up to it. And I can, I have a testimony that that vulnerability and that humility is really what's going to allow you to heal. You know, I think I completely agree with that because it takes a lot of great humility to be able to be vulnerable because it's terrifying. And when you're talking about how being vulnerable is so crucial in relationships, not just romantic, like, yes, it's super essential for a successful romantic relationship but Mm -hmm. also platonic relationships, I'm thinking of my relationship with myself and how that's improved when I've been able to be vulnerable and be like, hey, this is how I'm really feeling. Instead of, you know what? Because something I used to do as well, it's like, oh, this emotion's not really convenient. Let's just suppress that for a while and just hope that goes away. (laughs) Shove it in the closet, right? (laughs) Yes. Then you get this clutter. You just open it one day hoping to get a sweater and boom. (laughs) You're like, exactly. just just needed a sweater. So I have a hard time with self-care and being patient with myself. And that's something, one of my goals, because I'm working a lot on my relationship with myself. What techniques do you suggest for self-care and techniques that help you improve your relationship with yourself? Um, so the, like we were talking about before, those, those five categories of wellness, that emotional, mental, physical, social, and spiritual, in any, under any of those categories, if you take time to focus on that category and have a a goal for that category that you achieve that in my experience in my opinion is it counts as self-care because those are the five categories of wellness your wellness um and so specifically for me what i've found is especially with women young women um when we 
where I work with them to improve their physical wellness, it typically affects their mental and emotional wellness. And as a result, their social wellness begins to improve. They feel more confident about themselves. They want to go out. They want to have fun with their friends. They want to go on dates. And so it's, it's kind of a, a domino effect that you have when you focus on any part, any of those categories, um, it counts as self-care because you're taking care of your own personal wellness. The hard part, I think, comes in, like you said, with the patients <laughs> because, <laughs> because rarely does do any of these categories um, suddenly fluctuate to being 100% after spending five minutes focusing <laughs> on, on this category, right? Like you can't meditate for five minutes and all of a sudden all of your anxiety is gone. You can't, you can't do, you know, one run and all of a sudden you, you've lost 10 pounds. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and it's, that's, you know, that's part of life. We learn that from childhood that patience is a virtue and it's not a virtue that a lot of us have. <laughs> It's part of the world we live in, you know, this quick go pace, everything's at your fingertips, you have access to everything. Um, it's kind of taught us and trained us into this mental state that if I want something, I get it now. Um, but when it comes to your well-being and your wellness and your health, I think the first thing that people need to do, um, myself included, is is take that step back and say, okay, I, I have this goal, but now I need to realistically think about the time frame and the steps that I need to take to get there. Because when you have that written out and you see that for what it really is, like you said, it's that open communication with yourself. Then you can kind of work up the emotional and mental fortitude to be able to accomplish what you need to. I think that's so beautiful because I think of like every time that I've been like, yep, I'll be doing this tomorrow or I'll be the same way. (laughs) (laughs) It's like setting these very unrealistic expectations and of course that causes anxiety or depression or concern because I'm setting myself up for failure instead of setting myself up for success exactly and that's something that is when you have that kind of mental attitude and you're thinking you know I have to do this and it has to be done my way and it has to be done on my timetable (laughs) if you set yourself up for failure it's just going to become a habit and it's going to become part of your behavior and part of your Uh, thought process and that has happened to me on many occasions as an athlete as a trainer as a student as a young woman it's just been part of my natural thinking process and I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with but if you have a more realistic time frame and just take that step back and take a few minutes to process how long it might actually take and sometimes that requires some effort, you know, maybe some research, maybe you have to know a little bit more about what goal you're setting, (laughs) instead of just saying, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds, maybe researching what it means to, to lose 10 pounds, you know, what, what is that going to require nutritionally, what is that going to require for me physically, all of these things, and it's setting yourself up for success requires more effort than setting yourself up for failure. I think that's so true. I think we have another t-shirt, by the way. (laughs) Should we just start a, a fashion trend? Here? Yes. yes. <laughs> some anxiety t-shirts we can get going around. Yes. With like some healthy practices so that we can set ourselves up for success. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually do believe that there is, so I believe that the concept of failure is just an illusion that comes from a scarcity mindset from us thinking 
there's not enough there's not enough because really we look at all the the things of well for me personally in my life every time that I've done something that hasn't been my way and I haven't achieved the goal the way I thought I would I did find success in different areas I learned more about myself I got to be more resilient so I believe there's a lot of opportunities in our challenges and many of the things that I've been through like being homeless like the trauma we've talked about or the depression, the anxiety, to name a few, I feel that they've made me more resilient. And in a way, they've really empowered me. Do you feel that your anxiety or depression have empowered you or served you in some way? Absolutely. I, first of all, would love to just congratulate you on coming to that conclusion. Because <laughs> it takes a lot of a lot of honest communication with yourself to come to that conclusion, to find a positive about these negatives. And I appreciate that you shared that because it's it's important to recognize that while challenges are hard and painful and debilitating as they happen um, there are positives about them and like I was expressing before that those positives came in a manner of me learning about myself learning about my capacity and incapacities learning about my strengths and weaknesses and myself as a as a total human a total person instead of just um, through the eyes of, of this black and white strength and weakness kind of view. Um, and I think that along the road to recovery, along the road to um, your goal of, of getting over these challenges and triumphing in your trials is, it's an adventure as, as horrible as that sounds, because, you know, most <laughs> connotations of adventures are positive and fun and exciting, but it's, it's an adventure. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what the outcome's going to be, but along the way, you can choose your journey. You can choose your next steps and your attitudes and your thoughts, and you have more control than you think you do over, over those things. And it's, that I think is one of the most positive things about these this challenge, specifically with anxiety and depression, is that understanding and growth within um, your power over yourself, over your your being. That's so beautiful. I swoon every time I listen to you talk. I just swoon. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I swoon. <laughs> That's why we did our hair and our makeup. My yes, yes, we're preparing ourselves for the swooning. <laughs> so, Avery, what's a message that you would like to share with people who have anxiety and depression? Um, I think the message <clears throat> varies from person to person, but from my own journey, my own experiences and my own kind of adventure with it. Um, I would just want to tell people that are experiencing similar um, challenges and trials that their, their past self was good. Um, their current self is great and their future self is going to be even better because what is happening with this anxiety is it's not stripped you of anything that you were. It's not stripped you of any experiences that you've had, but what it's doing is giving you another challenge to overcome, to build on those past ones. And it's allowing you to become a bigger and better person um, in all manners of speaking. 
And so I would encourage anyone that's that's experiencing these challenges to take hope in it, as hard as that sounds and as hard as that feels, um, to take hope in it that their their future is not going to be desolate and it's not going to be deprived of emotion and um, ability, capability to do things, but it's going to be richer and fuller because of what they're feeling now, of what you're experiencing now. Wow. See, I swooned again. <laughs> I lost for words. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful message. And as a personal trainer, what message would you like to share with people who postpone fitness or maybe are, are unsure about committing to fitness? In the manner of speaking with people with anxiety and depression, like we were saying before, that physical wellness, it can and it will positively affect your mental and emotional wellness. Um, and so taking time out to, to be physically active, to go outside, to feel the sun on your skin, to get some air in your lungs, to be able to, to make your heart pump so that you're focusing on something other than these negative feelings is going to be so beneficial for your mental health. And it doesn't feel like it the first few times you do it. Um, and it's initially very, very hard to do it. But I would encourage everyone to, to take the opportunity, 15 to 30 minutes, five days a week, just to get up and be active. And that could be just walking your dog outside for a long walk. It could be going into your backyard and doing a workout, especially right now with the COVID-19 going around. We don't want people going to the gyms or anything like that. But taking time to get up, maybe do some yoga, stretching, these things, stretching is, is part of physical fitness, which some people might not know, but that is a measure <laughs> of physical fitness is, is stretching. And so um, just taking time to be active in some way is, in my experience, has shown to be, is proven to be beneficial mentally and emotionally. I'm actually going to take you up on that and do the stretching because I don't know if I told you I totally have thrown out my lower back and my hips <gasps> oh no yes. oh so, no like, I've always been like you're as old as you feel and I'm like I feel great and then one day I just woke up and couldn't do my lower oh, no. back and hips so I don't know what I believe anymore but I'm gonna I don't do know <laughs> you believe in you that's what you believe in. <laughs> oh no that's tough because injuries injuries cause a little bit of a mental block too so that's <laughs> that is tough but you can do it if, even if it's just yoga or doing some stretching I believe in you yeah I'm gonna do the stretches and watch that like super good that's the intention <laughs> I'm putting out there good so everyone's heard that we... so you're accountable <laughs> good yeah I'm accountable to everybody <laughs> so just before we go I just want to ask you some final questions one thing that I'm really <laughs> curious about is What's something that you've empowered yourself to do that has improved the quality of your life? Hmm. I think something that has, has been a little different um, is, and this might not be um, totally the idea that you're getting at, but if, um, if I could just share this, it's, I think, helpful a little bit in the empowerment for anxiety, I feel. Um, when I came home as a result of this anxiety and depression that I was feeling, like I was sharing before, it was completely debilitating and I felt totally broken, kind of like I, I was 
being stripped of of all that I knew about myself and all my experiences and everything. Um, and it was kind of, I was in this deep, dark hole and, and didn't really know what to do. And so as a result, you feel powerless against these challenges, anxiety and depression specifically. Um, and in those moments, I think I became very dependent on my, my parents and my siblings and while in those moments it felt like I was dependent rather than independent um, because in some ways I was um, what happened was my relationship with those people improved my ability to communicate with them improved their ability to communicate with me improved and it was like we were talking about this free flow of information of vulnerability and trust and as a result, what's happened is now that I'm getting better and now that I'm feeling more like I'm independent and doing things on my own, these relationships have empowered me to be able to accomplish my goals, take on new challenges, and feel confident that if anything negative were to ever happen again, that I would have a base group of people that I know could take care of me, that I know would not judge me, wouldn't harm me, and wouldn't um, in any way endanger my emotional or mental state. And that's to be said about my my family. That's to be said about my situation. I know that not everyone's family is like that. I know that not everyone's circumstances are similar to that. But what I think is so important is finding that group of people to create that base level of trust and love and care. And that you'll be surprised, I think, to find how much that can empower you to do so much more in your life, to have that knowledge that you have people to fall back on. I've definitely seen how trusting people does really empower you. And I think the biggest thing with me believing now that is a good thing is that it allows you to, or it has allowed me, speaking for me, to fully be able to connect with people and be more authentic not just with myself, but how I'm feeling and ask for help when I need it. It's still uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. It's still super uncomfortable, <laughs> but it yeah. does create a more authentic and solid relationship with people that I've chosen to trust. Mm -hmm. So for the people that are listening to your voice today, Avery, what's mm -hmm. one thing, I'm sure there's a lot, but what's one thing you'd like to empower others to, to do to improve the quality of their lives? What I would like people to be empowered to do is I would I would hope that they'd be empowered to overcome the stigma or negative connotations that come with mental health because believe what we might about mental health and what's being done to address it in the United States and, and other countries as well there's still a negative stigma and connotation to it and people are afraid to admit that they need help and people are afraid to come out and say that, hey, I'm having this issue and I need to take steps to address it. Instead, they, they're forced, they feel, to, to continue with it and to just deal with it and to push through it. And so I would feel that I want people to be empowered to take the steps necessary, whether it's through physical fitness, going to see a doctor, going to see a therapist, talking to a friend, someone somewhere wants to hear about your struggles they want to help you and so I hope that people feel empowered to 
address any any issues that they're having, any challenges mentally and emotionally that are causing them distress. And for those people that are maybe like afraid to reach out to other people, what words of encouragement would you give them? Definitely um, to, I would say to be careful about who you share those feelings with. There are people that are there to listen. There are people that are there that you can trust, people that are going to care for you. And if you feel um, in any way that that emotional vulnerability isn't safe for you, then I would say take a step back, um, maybe assess the people in your life, even if you haven't talked to them in years, those people that you create special and unique bonds with and relationships with, they are people that care for you. And the capacity of the human heart to love is it grows with every person that they meet. And so the ability that that person has to love you and to care for you, they're willing to listen to your problems and they're willing to get help for you. So if there's any sort of reservation about reaching out and feeling vulnerable with um, anyone to to get help for your mental or emotional needs, um, I would say to, to take that step, to maybe assess the situation and take that step so that you can get the help that you need. Thank you for those kind and amazing words of encouragement, Avery. Mm -hmm. So I believe that we're all empowered to create the life, the love, the reality in the world that we want. I genuinely believe that. I feel that it's true. That's a lot of what my podcast is about. My last question to you today is what is a reality you want to create in your life? I love that. We actually just did in our, a couple sessions ago, my CBT therapist and I were working through this exact question because <laughs> she, she and I have come to this realization that this story that I've told myself in my head has a negative connotation. You know, this kind of character I've developed for myself has negative qualities and negative reactions to things. And so this idea that she took was to, to develop a character, a storybook character in my head, um, about someone who is my ideal, someone I would look up to and want to have qualities like. And when I was able to do that and take a step back and kind of create that idea or ideal person, um, what I realized was the reality of it was that it wasn't, it wasn't that far off from who I am and my capabilities and my capacities. And so when you ask what kind of reality I'd like to create for myself, I'd like to create a reality in which I can truly and honestly um, assess myself, accept myself and others with no judgment and be able to feel with no judgment any emotion that comes and be able to feel, like you say, empowered to and capable to deal with any negative, positive or intermediate emotion that might come my way. And that's just me personally. I'm sure that other people might have other realities they'd like to create, but in my life, that's the type of reality that I think I would like to have. I think that's so beautiful. And from what I know from you, you are such an empowering individual. Like I said, I want to just give you so much gratitude for just being in my life and for coming onto the podcast today. And I want to celebrate that you are someone that I look up to. You're someone who is empowered. And you, yes, you have your challenges. I think we all do. And you still <laughs> keep going and you move forward. And maybe it's not 
I think the most thing that I love today is that you've said, let's set ourselves up for success. Maybe it's not like I'm going to be better tomorrow or next week, but it's giving us small goals to set ourselves up for success. Absolutely. Avery, where can people connect with you if they want to? So I have, I have a Facebook. Not many people use Facebook anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> I have my Facebook and it's just Avery Bishop on Facebook. Um, if you'd like to, you can follow my Instagram account. It's a fitness Instagram account. Um, I haven't used it in a couple of years, but it's just duo it with an underscore. Um, and that is, it was something that I set up with my friend and I was recently thinking about kind of reactivating it and using it a little bit more to kind of fit my life right now, because I think as my life with anxiety has transitioned, so have my goals and my out, my outlook on fitness and everything <laughs> like that. So I know I'm, I'm grateful that you asked how people could connect, because I think that kind of is going to motivate me to to get that goal of <laughs> using that Instagram account for good rather than just letting it sit there. <laughs> Look, we're promoting accountability. I'm accountable to stretching. Exactly. Accountable to your Instagram. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for being here today. It means a lot to me. And I'd love to have you on another time to discuss about these false stories and beliefs that we tell ourselves. I would love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I love you, Avery. I hope you have a great day. I love you too. Bye. Bye. A truth I want to leave you with today is that you're empowered to create the life, the love, the reality, and the world that you want. I believe in you. Oh, thank you.